Hello, Filled With Messages friends. Thanks for joining me today. I'm Ruth Farrell, the lead pastor of St. Peter United Church of Christ. I hope you're having a wonderful day. Thanks so much for joining me. I'm thinking of a song that has been recorded by Bing Crosby, Aretha Franklin, Otis Redding, Frank Sinatra, Etta James, Michael Buble, Joe Cocker, Three Dog Night, and even, although not in its entirety, Jay-Z and Ye, the artist formerly known as Kanye West. That is quite a diverse group of vocalists. Anybody think of what this song is? Try a Little Tenderness was written in 1932 by Harry Woods. To those of us who are younger, the lyrics will sound quite patronizing, but for this moment, we'll choose to set that aside, remembering the words were written 90 years ago. She may be weary, Young girls, they do get wearied, wearing the same old shaggy dress. But when she gets weary, try a little tenderness. You know, she's waiting, just anticipating that thing you'll never possess. But while she's waiting, try a little tenderness. It's not just sentimental. She has her grief and care. You won't regret it. Young girls, they don't forget it. Love is their whole happiness. But it's also easy All you got to do is try a little tenderness. Would you agree that tenderness has largely been forgotten by our culture today? Perhaps it still exists in some romantic relationships, but tenderness doesn't just apply to romance. Tenderness is gentleness and kindness wrapped up together. Tenderness is treating people with softness and care. Tenderness is being sensitive to the pain of others, whether it is seen or unseen. Today's scripture text is full to the brim with tenderness, extravagant tenderness, brazen tenderness, attuned tenderness, beautiful tenderness, and it invites us to live with tenderness too. Hear these words from John's Gospel, chapter 12. Six days before Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, home of Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Lazarus and his sisters hosted a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who joined him at the table. Then Mary took an extraordinary amount, almost three-quarters of a pound, of very expensive perfume called nard. She anointed Jesus' feet with it, then wiped his feet dry with her hair. The house was filled with the aroma of the perfume. Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, complained, this perfume was worth a year's wages. Why wasn't it sold and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He carried the money bag and would take what was in it. Then Jesus said, leave her alone. This perfume was to be used in preparation for my burial, and this is how she has used it. You will always have the poor among you, but you won't always have me. Will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, open our hearts, our minds, our bodies to hear you softly and tenderly calling to us with words of love and hope and joy and peace and vision and direction. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your eyes, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Death lingers in the background and foreground of this moment in Jesus' life. 
Shortly before this tender incident, Jesus had raised Mary's brother Lazarus from the dead. The day following this dinner at Martha's house, Jesus would triumphantly ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. But by the end of the week, he would be abandoned by his friends, rushed through a mockery of a trial, be tortured and crucified, and die. By the evening at Lazarus, Mary, and Martha's home, Jesus knew his death was almost certainly coming. After he raised Lazarus, he had to go into hiding because the Jewish religious leaders had decided he was a threat to them and had begun plotting to kill him. Jesus and his disciples had left Jerusalem and hid in a place near the desert, a city named Ephraim. The chief priests and Pharisees were incensed that he had slipped away from them, but suspected he would return to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration so they ordered everyone to report any sightings of him so they could have him arrested. I cannot imagine how much pressure, anxiety, and grief Jesus held at himself as he sat at Martha's table. Was he able to remain present with his friends as they ate together? Or was his emotions and thoughts constantly distracting him? Was his body stiff and achy from the anxiety build up? Did he shift around a lot, trying to dislodge the pain, the somatic experiencing of his stress? Perhaps Mary felt Jesus' distress as they ate together. She almost certainly knew Jesus' arrest warrant had been signed. Well, of course, she, like all of Jesus' disciples, struggled to believe it. She knew that if Jesus was arrested, he would likely be killed. The religious leaders were threatened by Jesus and were out for blood. Perhaps Mary had also felt gratitude bursting forth from her body since Jesus had raised her brother from the dead. Maybe she was so thankful that Jesus had brought her brother back from death to life that words weren't enough. She wanted to do something, anything to show perhaps even to publicly prove her gratefulness. When do you think the idea formed in Mary's mind to use the very expensive perfume to anoint Jesus' feet? Do you think the idea came to her as she and her siblings planned the dinner for Jesus? Did she go out and specifically buy the perfume for this particular moment? Or was her decision spur of the moment? Her empathy and gratitude suddenly overflowing the brim of her whole being and causing her to act without overthinking. Perhaps she had purchased the nard to use on her brother's dead body, as was common practice in her day. But Jesus had rendered it unnecessary for that purpose. Now she knew it was for such a time as this. Do you think Mary was nervous as she knelt before Jesus with the jar of nard? Did she feel the stares and hear the gasps of the others in the room? Or was she able to focus solely on her act of tenderness? Did she unbind her hair just before she anointed with Jesus with oil? Or was it unbound when she began to take care of him, body and soul? Were Jesus' feet ticklish? Did his eyes blur with tears as she so tenderly prepared him for his burial less than a week later? Was he able to relax even for just a moment as she offered him this tenderness, this sensitivity to his pain? 
Suddenly into the stunning beauty of this sacred moment came the enraged voice of Judas. This perfume was worth a year's wages. Why wasn't it sold and the money given to the poor? Methinks thou doth protest too much, Judas. He didn't care a fig about the poor. He was in charge of the disciples' money and stole for himself from it. My heart just aches for Mary in this moment, but even more so for Jesus. He desperately needs to receive her tender, loving care. He is about to enter the worst week of his life. He needs all the reassurances he can get that his pain will be worth it. Yet Judas's greed threatens to ruin the moment. Leave her alone, Jesus said. She's doing the right thing, Judas. She's attuned to me. She's meeting my needs. She's sensitive to my pain. One of the literal definitions of tenderness. She is preparing me for my burial. Jesus then adds a bit of an aside that's often misconstrued because it's taken out of context. He says, you will always have the poor among you. Jesus is quoting from Deuteronomy 15, which is a passage about the year of Jubilee, which is something Jesus hinted at in a mission statement sermon he preached in his hometown synagogue at the very beginning of his ministry. It was a sermon that nearly got him thrown off a cliff. The point of the passage in Deuteronomy and Jesus's point is that we should be generous, open-handed, and not tight-fisted with those in need. Jesus repeatedly invited those who have ears to hear to treat the poor with generosity and kindness. We have to assume Judas's outburst and Jesus's response were the end of that dinner. It's hard to imagine everyone went back to chit-chatting about the weather or the Cubs World Series prospects after that. I suspect Jesus took some time to make sure Mary was all right, to repair the damage Judas had done. Judas had taken Mary's beautiful, brave act of tenderness and turned it into shame. Even though Jesus, Jesus had spoken up for her and chastised Judas for his self-serving indignation, she probably still needed some tenderness of her own to ensure the shame he tried to inflict on her wouldn't turn into trauma. This moment in Jesus' life is still remembered more than 2,000 years later, not because of Judas's vexation or even Jesus' teaching, but because of Mary's tenderness. Brave, extravagant, lavish, overflowing, beautiful tenderness is Mary's legacy and one in which she invites us to join her. In a world filled with pain, incessant noise, chaos, harshness, self-righteous indignation, rage, stress, one of the most beautiful, countercultural, healing, anxiety-reducing things we can offer is tenderness. But we're so unfamiliar with tenderness, especially outside the context of romantic relationships, we might struggle to know how to overflow with it. Tenderness might be expressed with a gentle touch, a kind word, a moment of total attunement, a softness with others, remembering that we all carry pain, whether it is seen or unseen. We can be tender with people who know us better than we know ourselves. We can be tender with people we've never met. We can be tender with ourselves. 
We can even be tender with God. Mary certainly was. Let's follow Mary's beautiful, brave, extravagant lead this week and beautifully, bravely, extravagantly overflow with tenderness. Let's spend some time thinking about how we might be tender with others, with ourselves, with God. And then let's put those ideas into practice. Let's live tenderness as an expression of our gratitude for Jesus' life and love. Thanks so much for joining me today, my friends. As you go forth from here, I pray you will experience many moments of tenderness and that you will also be on the lookout for times when you can try a little tenderness yourself. Grace and peace to you, my friends. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.